welcome to the third episode of the Kitty Party Pod. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> I love how this has become like a regular now. It has. You do the introduction and I do the yay or yeah. the boo. <laughs> okay, so um, just a reminder where this is Dashita and Shaila, where two brown girls in London talking about all things pop culture and why it's so much more than just being frivolous. That's right. And more to that point, we're going to tell you quickly what we're talking about in today's episode. Mm-hmm. So today we're talking about Hailey Bieber and her Nepo baby tea. If you haven't seen it, you should Google it right now before we get into it. And also why apparently Bella Hadid has been in the news for this very, in the, in the same vein. Then we're going to talk about the draw of immersive experiences and what we really think about, I mean, both of us go to a lot of immersive experiences. And you know, like the whole Van Gogh thing. Exactly. And we have thoughts. Um, and then finally, we're going to be talking about my personal favorite topic. And I think a topic that both of us quite, I mean, we disagree on a lot, which is the death of the Bollywood superstar. And are they relevant anymore? And then obviously, in the end, we go to our recommendation. And finally, what's, what's hot, hot in, in London? London? Okay, okay cool. so number one, Hailey Bieber. Let's start off with yeah. Hailey's Nepo Baby Okay, so should we describe? Yeah, yeah. okay, go ahead. Okay, so... Um, I feel like most people would have seen this, but the last few months there has been such massive discourse on just Nepo babies. Just the term Nepo baby has become so common now that we don't usually have to define it, but I'm just going to do it quickly again. Mm -hmm. A Nepo baby is anybody who comes from an influential family or a family with a celebrity in it, and hence they have privilege in whatever stream they're entering because of the recognition that their family has. So Hailey Bieber is, of course, um, a Nepo baby because of her father, Alec Baldwin, and also her husband, Justin Bieber, now Mm -hmm. and the reason why nepo baby i think has been in the it's been in the news lately and i think it's been part of our zeitgeist over the past few months and then the new york times did this explosive um entire new yorker i think the new yorker sorry my bad and their um cover the the cover of their magazine was essentially like little babies that you know like hospital babies and then they'd like pasted photos and like images of nepo babies heads onto it and it was iconic i died when i saw that i was like i I only saw it was a spoof but it turned out to be an actual imagine imagine whoever made that like that graphic designer Cheers. What a great day for you. You know, (laughs) what I was also thinking of is how amazing it is that they can do something like this. Mm. Because I I, I thought about this in India and I was like, I don't think we'd be able to do it in the same way. That is exactly what Diet Sabya said. And Mm. then they reposted it and they did an Indian version. I did. I saw that as well. Obviously, Janvi Kapoor was on there. (laughs) But okay, anyway, more to our point about Hailey Bieber. And so... Recently, she stepped out and there was a paparazzi photo of her walking around and she was just wearing like jeans and then a belt. And then on top of that, she wore like this really tight, cute, cropped white T-shirt and it just had the words Nepo Baby on it. That's it. No full stop. Nothing. Just Nepo Baby. And I think the reason why this matters so much is because when this New Yorker cover came out and everybody was talking about Nepo Babies, a few of them stepped up and tried to defend themselves. Mm. And they were like, oh, you know, like we all have similar, a similar vein to what Molly... Molly May? Molly, Molly May. Molly May. And yeah. even Kim had said earlier in and 2022 about... Even um, Lily Rose Depp. Exactly. So she, all of them. She, exactly. She did an interview. I don't know which with magazine, but she did an interview and she said something to the lines of, 
first she said we don't label men as nepo babies which is not true i mean just look at brooklyn beckham exactly i'm f- far be it from me to jump to ma- men's men's the ma- mankind's defense that's <laughs> not me but th- i don't think that's true yeah. lily rose depp and also she said if a doctor's kid becomes a doctor you don't say it's because of nepotism they went to school right so how is it different from me and i was like oh facepalm why lily it is so different how i and then she and then she was like very she knew she was going to get called out for this because she immediately followed it up by saying not that i'm trying to compare my life to a doctor's and i'm like no that's not even the point you missed it even um what's her name kate moss's sister she did this she did a similar thing after the new yorker cover did where she? she did she did she came out and she was like oh we all have the same 24 hours very similar to what kim had said earlier and then when she got a shit ton of backlash she just deleted her twitter account but anyway so that's exactly why hayley wearing this nepo baby tee is just it feels weirdly like not I feel like it's a very Haley thing to do because instead of commenting and defending the nepo babies or saying yeah you know what it's okay we work hard we we're also talented leave mm. us alone etc etc she just shows up with this tee with just nepo baby on it I know so and thoughts I think it was very reminiscent of the 90s when Paris Hilton and Britney Spears would like walk around with uh, graphic tees that have mm-hmm. like may a, a phrase which is maybe two or three words yeah um and they were all just very like blase and i think they were on some level a bit self aware because yeah. they were talking about themselves but they were kind of aware of what people are saying about them and how people are perceiving them and they were saying yeah so and And it almost what? reminds me of the rise of bimbo talk on TikTok mm. like where they sort of reclaiming the word bimbo. Yeah. I wonder if Hailey's trying to reclaim nepo baby or she's just like literally being like yeah I am a nepo baby I can't change it now what? I think she's just jumping on the bandwagon. Yeah, yeah. I think she's the only I mean not the only but she's one of the few nepo babies who haven't talked about nepotism mm-hmm. in a magazine interview or whatever. True. Um and she should be thankful that people are not coming after her. So I don't know why she's getting into this, whatever. But, you know, I don't know. I just thought it was very like why? I feel like I kind of liked it. It reminded me I'm I like the way she did it. I it reminded me of how Rihanna came out with the baby bump. She didn't mm. do like a magazine interview or a magazine cover. She just did a paparazzi photo that was everywhere. True. And I mean, paid paparazzi is the new editorial. Exactly. It really is because it's on Instagram, it's on Twitter, it's on TikTok and everyone's seeing it. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the reach is now a lot more than just one big brand magazine doing it. And yeah. now all the magazines are anyway covering the Nepo baby tea. But I think what's also an interesting caveat of this is while Hailey had her moment mm. and she really had fashion in a chokehold for a while, I feel like that entire um Selena Hailey Justin debacle and just I don't know like her stepping away from modeling so much and doing her own thing hasn't left her with a lot of fans and mm. a big part of this conversation is also that people are saying if it was an other supermodel for instance Bella Hadid who is now everywhere they would have done this so much better because they think that the papped photo because obviously we all know it's a staged pap photo but everyone believes not everyone a lot of people mm. believe that this could have been done a lot better if it was Bella and i feel like that's interesting I just don't get it. So you just want another Nepo baby to wear a Nepo baby t-shirt? I I just why? It's How like saying How is this a conversation to be had at all? It's like this Nepo baby can do it better than that Nepo baby. So we I wish she had done it. Like okay, so so now we don't like Nepo babies, but we also want to pit them against each other. Like I don't I don't understand it and I don't understand why there's 
who who is who is this person who wants to see Bella Hadid in a nappy baby T-shirt? I don't get it. Like, first of all, I don't get why Haley Haley Bieber did it. Secondly, I just why I have so many like I'm so confused. I feel like Haley just did it for the fuck of it, yeah. and I can't decide if I like it or not. But I'm definitely intrigued by it. It definitely mm. has a stalking. I don't like the conversation about Bella could have done it better because yeah. I'm just like, and I. Mm. Exactly, and if anybody, all these people who are saying Bella, do you not know Bella Hadid? Like, I know she's this super like top model, but I think she has a really soft side. She and does. She seems like a really like she seems like a McDonald's vanilla softy <laughs> on the inside, and I think that's very endearing. I think she has her fashion super edgy, but then on the inside, I feel like she's this girl who has crystals and she journals and she reads and she posts crying selfies and. You know, yeah. I just, I just don't think this is her speed. She feels less Paris Hilton for sure. She feels more. I don't. I can't. I can't think of anyone to compare her to. But I just feel like she's not the sort who would make this kind of statement for no reason at all. Yeah. Like yeah. she's definitely the sort who would like donate her earnings to Ukraine during like Fashion Week. Exactly. And like talk about that a little bit. But she's really not the sort who would come out and just say something for the fuck yeah. of it and just get out. Yeah. That's I, more Haley. Exactly. I think in the past, supermodels have sort of cashed in on their. edge mm-hmm. and their they have a certain sharpness like even Kate Moss and Naomi they they all are like so quote unquote have attitudes which is i don't know code for having opinions yeah but that's not to say bella doesn't have opinions i think she does but she's much softer and to be honest all of these people who are saying this I don't see it. I also feel like it's interesting to see how Bella's just the last year has been mm. her year. It yeah, really, sure. really has. She is. I truly believe she is the supermodel of the moment. Yeah. And like we were discussing right before we began recording this pod, initially everyone used to say Bella Hadid, Gigi Hadid's sister, and yeah. now Gigi has become the sister. And exactly. that shift happened so quickly that none of us even realized it, and, yeah. and now it's here. For sure. And I was thinking about it, and I think that two things have happened at the same time. Bella has risen to fame for sure, but mm-hmm. also I think Gigi has taken a step back. She really has. Where has Gigi gone? We were uh, dating Leonardo DiCaprio last, mm. apparently, which is such a PR stunt. Yeah, I, I I think so too. I think so too. But okay, okay. Either way, so that's what we have on Haley and Bella, and I don't know. Like I just something about them comparing, compare pitting the two against each other, especially when they seem friends, seem to be friends, and they're just having a good time together. Just yeah. feels. Wrong. Just don't exactly. do it. But then I also don't think no anybody's pitting them against each other. It's mm. just there's there's a, okay. You're right. No, they are pitting each other because there is a comparison about how Bella would have, and also there's this narrative that Hailey Bieber has. Go girl, give us nothing energy. Yeah, so I think that plays into it as well. I do think it's that. I do think it's a lot of that, and I I wonder how much of this is just misogyny, mm. because I know a lot of it comes from. Her narrative on Justin, and then that whole Selena Gomez thing, and just her, because even with I remember even when her whole like brownie glazed nail yeah. lip thing was going viral, there was a huge, huge population just hating on her, and I kind of feel bad for the amount of hate she gets. I feel like she is she does get a lot more hate than other people who come up with random useless trends. But I also think she does not. She does give off that energy. <laughs> like I don't. I I sit firmly in that camp. Haley Bieber is not interesting. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, I I'm just, sorry. I'm not trying to be a misogynist. I just no, genuinely think mis- yeah. she's not. I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't know. She's very blah. <laughs> I I actually don't know. At one point, I was trying to pitch a story, and the proposed headline was, "How does Haley Bieber have fashion in a chokehold?" 
because I really feel like any random thing she does just up and becomes a trend. Yeah, no. And I was listening to a podcast where they were talking about beauty trends mm. and how anything that Hailey Bieber does now. I yeah. remember I subscribed to the Bidey Birdie newsletter and they had like, oh, get Bella Hadid's um, donut crispy creme Christmas nails and it was just red nail polish <laughs> and i'm like are you guys serious come on it's just yeah. red nail polish what the hell yeah okay yeah, that happens but, a lot yeah. i think that's also very clickbaity because you're yeah. like oh, okay i want to have nails with this person yeah so okay. everybody's capitalizing on bella being viral sorry Haley being viral but i don't see why <laughs> i don't get it <laughs> okay from one thing we don't get to another thing we don't get another thing we just don't get immersive okay. experiences this one's a little interesting because I feel like we came into it with a lot of excitement. A lot of gusto. We were like, yes, we're going to be artsy girls. We're going to totally get into this artsy London scene. And we're going to go to every immersive experience ever. We're not just going to see art. We're going to mm. feel art. We're going to smell art. We're, we're going to like, be immersed. We're going to be literally. fish in the water. <laughs> <laughs> okay, just a little bit context before we like deep dive into this so if you are in um london or honestly any big city that has a has an art scene at the moment there's a a, a significant rise in immersive art experiences like the first i think i could be completely wrong but the first was van gogh where they had his the first that we were conscious of yeah is van gogh for sure uh, that where basically his art is all around like on the walls and on the ceiling and on the floor and you're sort of just surrounded by yeah. it and basically what happens is you enter the space and then they take you through his life they start at the beginning and where he was born how he started they show you all his art and I think it's important to know that none of this is original artwork it's mm. artwork that's projected on the walls but the reason why it feels why it draws so many people in and also I think it's important to know that none of these experiences are cheap like they start mm. at 20 pounds minimum. minimum. I know. Yeah, but I think the joy is that it feels, again, they capitalize on the word immersive. Like yeah. you're surrounded by this art I know. and they really spend a lot on the Whoever sound system. Whoever works at Van Gogh, they saw projection mapping and they were like, yes, yeah. but make it bigger. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and make it louder. <laughs> uh, I oh mean, my God. and then this just spread because then came Frida Kahlo and then Salvador Dali and now you have one for literally every artist that ever mattered ever and I feel like it goes beyond artists as mm. well right like I think in LA or New York they have an ice cream world oh yeah the museum museum of ice cream museum of ice cream yeah but honestly museum of ice cream I've been following since the 12th grade which is yeah. 2015 maybe wow um so they've been around for a while um but yeah, I think that's when the movement... And now it's just sort of snowballed. Yeah, it has. And I think it goes way beyond just, like you're saying, artists. Because there's one in London that I went for, uh, which is called Dopamine Land. I hated it. <laughs> it was terrible. <laughs> yeah, so I, I feel like um, I also went for it. And I was very excited about it. Same. Because, yeah. So basically... Again, sorry. One second, some, it was your recommendation yeah, to me. Basically <laughs> I'm not some, blaming you. <laughs> no, no, no. Some context there, I feel, is like, um, I, in the lockdown, my sister and I ran in, ran like this little experiential oh, yeah. dining company. And it was very similar. Dopamine Land gave me very similar vibes to it. I remember as soon as I stepped out of Dopamine Land, I sent my sister a really long voice note. And I was like, we can do this so much better. We mm-hmm. were doing this so much better. Because, of course, what we did is we created 
hyper personalized experiences so dope okay what dopamine land does is it has multiple rooms and each room is supposed to spark dopamine in you through different senses so they had something with a lot of lights and they had something with fragrance they had one room that just had popcorn in it and mm-hmm. yeah like a lot of they tried i think there were seven or eight rooms and they yeah. all tapped into different sides of you to trigger the, that dopamine which is similar to what we did at pare which is what the brand was called but except we did it with the story of the people who approached us and when i was passing through dopamine land the thing that stuck out to me most was how much they just in order to make it large scale and in order to get the money in they had these really random things going on which looked really pretty and when you were there you were like oh this is so nice blah 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 but when you step out you're like wait what just happened yeah why did i why did i just do that yeah i was just jumping out from jumping about from one room to another like with random sensory overload but did i actually like that or was it just pretty looking things and also it was a bit boring mm. like there was this one room which was essentially a multicolored lights on a string and first of all that's a yayoi kusama rip off secondly it's just a room with lights yeah what are you supposed to do beyond take pictures yeah, and yeah. that's what really gets to me is that i'm then surrounded by a bunch of people who want angles so essentially what you're left with is an experience where you're swerving to get out of people's photos for sure and then there's ball pits so you're kind of like in the waiting room where it smells like feet it's just i just don't get it honestly and i I mean, I thought it was okay. I thought it was better than the Yayoi Kusama exhibit that we went to. That at the hosted date. by Tate. Yeah. And the thing with that one was you see so much on Instagram and there is so much hype around it. Also, th- it's incredibly hard to get tickets. I I exactly. remember I booked tickets for us I think 3 months before we yes, actually went. Exactly. And so because there's you know there's so much anticipation so you're just standing there and then you go and it's just lights. Yeah. And it happens before you get on. Like it genuinely I remember again it reminds me of an other memory that I have when I was when I I I, I was really excited to go on on this uh, roller coaster in Abu Dhabi it was supposed to be the world's fastest roller coaster. Mm-hmm. Oh, and it was fast. I was dreaming about it. I was just like, "Oh my god, this is going to be so good, the adrenaline." <laughs> yeah. But it was over before it began. Exactly. They I said closed it was my eyes and it was over. But they said it was fast. Yeah, but I mean, I was expecting it to be scary. <laughs> I'm just it was just I know. Well, yeah. It's so fast it got over fast. <laughs> Literally. It's so it got it's so fast that it didn't feel like a roller coaster. <laughs> So that's how Kusama felt yeah. to me like there was so much hype and there was so much waiting and we got in and it's first of all it's very timed like I think we were allowed in for 15 minutes or 5 minutes Are you joking? 3 minutes. 3 minutes? 3 minutes yeah. or something like that. Perhaps perhaps that. And then as soon as you enter like everyone's taking pictures and there I think 15 people were allowed in at one time and there was no space for anyone to do anything cuz it's literally just a box. Exactly. Exactly. It wasn't bigger than a box. And there's the worst part is though there's no music. Yeah. So it's just it's just yeah. it's just strangers whispering around you and taking pictures and then they're like okay time for you to leave now and then that's it. I actually don't remember that there was no music but that's such a good point why didn't they not have music that is that's such what, an important part Exactly and that's what was so differentiating to me at least that's what dopamine land mm. did better is they have music Yeah but I, I don't know it's just so anyway all of which is to say I we okay I'll say on my behalf I think immersive experiences are overrated I think they sort of undervalue the contribution of the artist um because it just snowballs into some something that you just come and take pictures of like our whole conversation i feel like i have personally undermined yayoi kusama's work 
by just shitting on it you know and that's because it's just become this like big huge thing that means nothing at all anymore it's and like game of thrones it, it was so yeah, big that exactly. you were like is it actually that good and then the fans find it yeah. and it's over you know um so yeah i just i just don't get the point of immersive experiences anymore i think that i think that it's a bit millennial and boomer to go for yeah. immersive experiences i feel like it's reached a point where it's become that because i think that i spent the last year in the uk being like oh my god immersive experience let's try this and let's try that and i feel like i will still go for some of them because i do think i find i find it exciting to be in a space that i've never been in before mm. i think that's what i take away from them each time that's why van gogh i enjoyed so much mm-hmm. because i had never been in a space where i was covered i was surrounded by projections from head to toe mm. it was exciting to experience that mm-hmm. but if they start replicating what everyone's already doing which is what's happening in the artist space with van gogh frida kahlo yeah. etc yeah. then there's no point right because exactly. i'm just i'm just paying to see something off of a projector yeah, yeah. but with dopamine land if they curate something better if they come up with an experience or a concept that's nicer mm. i do feel like i'll definitely be drawn to it that's fair it's like hate watching emily in paris i will do it again and again oh wow yeah. okay that's a commitment that's a commitment <laughs> yeah I, i don't think i would do it as much as i did all of last year but yeah. i definitely think i would still i would still want to go yeah. also because i just think that I don't I don't hate the idea of things that are Instagram ops. I kind of I feel mm. like it feeds such a large audience. Like the reason why they're doing so well and the reason why they're churning them out every minute is because so many people just want to go there for photos. Yeah. And I kind of like that. Like yeah. I kind of like that people own their shit and they're like, "Yeah, we're going here. We're going to take pictures." Cuz I remember going for dopamine land with a yeah. friend and she was just so comfortable owning it she was comfortable being wanting to be in every room for longer just to get the right picture and mm. i was just like i would never have the courage to do that yeah or just give enough shits to do yeah, this yeah that too <laughs> so i think that's the caveat for me is that i don't enjoy that yeah. so i'm not saying immersive experiences need to stop mm. of course there's so many people who and love it and i'm so great perfect love that you love this but it's just not for me and i yeah. think the caveat that i'm looking for is it there it there needs to be an additional activity mm-hmm. attached to it like a performance or an immersive food experience where you have to actually do something rather than the activities you go there and you stand around yeah and, you know no i completely get that i feel <clears> like it's a lot more engaging when you can actually do something even in dopamine land i think they had a room with little projectors where you had to like move sheets around and make them into artwork yeah, and then you could project yeah that it. was nice yeah that was nice because it was like making a little puzzle art piece and you, and you make a little it. collage that's yeah, sweet yeah yeah that was that was better than the other rooms that you're just walking around exactly yeah exactly also i think an imp- really important aspect of this conversation at least for me has been that since i started going for immersive experiences regular art exhibits and museums have started feeling boring mm. they started it's like because in an immersive experience it's like your so many senses of yours are tapped into like you're smelling something you're hearing something sometimes you're even tasting something and whereas if you just go to see art like if i just go to tate britain for instance or if i go to a room in tate modern i'm literally just looking at paintings and i'm like oh okay and then what do i expect i was actually thinking you know when we were talking about this earlier and we were discussing this i was thinking how i would rather just go to the tate mm. and just look at art where i can just stand there and look at like zoom in on all the little details i love going to the tate again and again to look at the same paintings again and again because i don't know what i missed last time yeah and for me going to immersive experiences has heightened the 
loveliness that comes along that's with, so interesting with art because i'm like oh i can just and i think again that's what dopamine land taught me is the room where you just sit and do nothing that's what that's i think where i had my highest hit of dopamine so i think again these things are very what's the subjective word? subjective that's what i'm looking for mm. so i think yeah I, my takeaway is the opposite i love going to museums i love more that I, I love that we had that exchange because i also feel like that's so much to say about your your relationship with art and just mm. you being so much more interested and drawn to it whereas for me it's always been an experience that's come in relation like i've seen an art in relation to film or in relation mm. to books or in literature or history that i've been yeah. reading but never art for art itself yeah. and that's why immersive experiences were a draw for me because i was like okay there's other things happening Got with it. art that's for that's so fair and i'm not like there's no way like i'm denying it but it's just yeah this is just yeah. a big takeaway for me is that that's, i love i love that i just love going to just a plain old just give me a painting in a frame please <laughs> that's all i ask i just want something in a frame please i actually wonder if this also impacts like the professional space mm i was thinking that too like like i was saying earlier i think that undermines the artist because mm-hmm. then it just becomes about i don't know how many artists are now thinking is my art projectable mm. you know because if yeah. this is what art is next or is my art instagramable exactly actually uh, i this reminds me of an other like quick before we segue into the next one uh, in covent garden there used to be this little thing called sophie t art i mm-hmm. think she is on if i'm not wrong an australian artist and she curates these spaces these large spaces where it's her paintings mm-hmm. but with little booths of immersive like activities so that's a good yeah that's, that's a good ba- it was a really nice balance yeah. so, like she her artwork was mostly about the female body and so she would have say for instance a painting of a woman's body and if it was certain colors she would play on those colors and have like a little setup for you to sit and enjoy the art there oh that's sweet. i really like that okay that's yeah. a good halfway for both of us yes amazing okay now again something that's gonna be an interesting conversation between the both of us yes uh is the death of the bollywood star and are actors actually overrated and relevant today yeah so some contest context for this is that the other day dashita and i were at dinner and this woman straight up <laughs> dead ass looks me in the eye and says i think shahrukh khan's overrated Oops. I wanted to throw my plate of chicken at her. Like, how could you say this to me? <laughs> I saw. I literally saw this happen. I saw her. I saw her eyes just go like. I used okay. She, she like she was waiting for me to take retract the statement. I was Be like, like just kidding. <laughs> I was trying. I was. I was buffering. <laughs> okay, yeah. so mm-hmm. um, I, do you want to start? Yeah. So I think we've been seeing. um you know a- along with patan's release and like we you know talked about last time i think there's more to say about this is the are bollywood superstars overrated and then also what does that mean for bollywood superstardom because this is my favorite time of the year when there's a lot of round tables happening and i actually quite enjoy karan johar in interviews because there is nobody who's this insightful about bollywood film history like he is He is so good at it. Um and you know he always talks about how Bachchan during the 80s, you know, brought in the action hero and then in the 90s he was single-handedly responsible for you know letting go of action and bringing love and then we had like the Shahrukh Khan superhero. And then now big I think he attributes it to Instagram and he says because everybody has such big Instagram followings, everybody is so reachable. Mm. And so at your level like you can interact with your superstar in real time in live videos for example but in the past if you wanted to know about bachchan 
you would have to either get a magazine or wait for Simi Garewal to interview him. Yeah. I think that's interesting. So do you think that superstars aren't superstars anymore because mm-hmm. of access to them? I totally think so. I I don't know actually because I'm I I'm thinking about the influencer or like just any any celebrity that we interact with or we want to interact with and like for instance a lot of celebrities now are on Cameo this mm-hmm. app where you can like request them to uh, record a video for your birthday you basically pay them really? for yeah oh. so most le- most western celebrities are on it and you like get it you i think they have varied pricing and it's like one minute birthday wish anniversary wish holiday wish whatever and then they record a video for you mm-hmm. that's obviously personalized with your name etc and they send it over and i wonder if things like that make their star grow or wean i think it's it's not in a increase or decrease i think it's kind of like a flatten or mm. be a mystery mm-hmm. like mm. mystery is interesting yeah exactly because how do we define stardom it's not more or less all of these people are stars in their own right it's just some earlier there were enigmas and now they're not so we don't have superstars in the way that we used to because you know the enigma would create this fan club where you have to you know really work hard to get to know your superstar but now because you can reach a superstar so easily it's kind of like your interests are divided between five easily reachable mm. superstars whereas earlier you would have to spend so much energy getting to know just one so you would be very choosy True. about who you're pouring your energy I into i think that could be right actually i feel like now cuz i think that earlier <clears throat> actually this reminds me of a question i we used to be asked a lot growing up a very common question used to be like who's your favorite actor or mm-hmm. actress and it was so easy which is roll off your tongue like whoever you were thinking of at that moment but today more and more people take much longer to yeah. think of an answer because there's just so much happening around it's a list you. yeah it's a list and you know there was another interview another round table with janvi kapoor and they were also talking about actors and then having like instagram profiles and she was talking about how yeah she is half an influencer because you know her instagram personality is so different from the personality mm. that chooses her movies and she doesn't necessarily feel the need to make those two merge like she can be whoever she wants to be on instagram and why should that reflect on what she plays on screen and i totally get that i totally stand by that but that just goes to show how you know our generation is so tuned into being half influencers like i'm pretty sure a management agency if they're managing janvi versus rajkumar rao or let's not say, let's say janvi versus amitabh bachchan for example mm-hmm. the kind of imagine the kind of directions they would have to give both when it comes to promoting a film that's hugely disparate exactly course, yeah. exactly so you know i just i do think this shahrukh khan truly was the last bollywood like he was the first bachcha and i think he will be the last one i i mean i don't think i would debate that i don't think that he not wasn't. him but maybe his generation is what i'm trying to say yeah or or even his generation i feel like they were superstars but i feel like they've bottomed for his war mm. i think that they don't hold relevance today in the same manner it's like totally. you know if you keep talking about something and you're like if i talk about it so much and no one questions it i feel like that's what shahrukh khan has become and even mm. amitabh bachchan for, for that for that matter cuz everyone around you is like oh my god he's so great and you're just like yeah yeah, yeah he is so great he's so great but like when i stop and i'm like but why do people like him so much and i just today i don't know i i i fully agree when you say that he 
brought significant change to Bollywood, and he had. By the way, this impact. is a conversation we had the other night. This you want, is what do you want to do? You want to? <laughs> and this is what I said the other night: is that the reason he's a superstar is because how he changed Bollywood in the past. But yeah, go. On. Yeah. <laughs> no, so I just feel like none of that stands true anymore. Like, totally. You. Okay, you made a change and then you go away. And I remember the example that I used is that we have Gandhi on notes today, but we're like, okay, and then like, it's it's you're so dated. You're living in the past so much that you haven't actually seen what the relevance is today. Do we still believe in their values? Do we still believe in like what they stood for? And I don't think we do. I don't think we do in the same way. And that's why I'm wondering if why we continue to like. just say sharuk khan's the best actor sharuk khan's like yeah mm. he used to be yes and i think again we both read this book called desperately seeking sharuk mm-hmm. and we both really enjoyed it but for very different reasons yes we had very different takeaways too yeah for me my takeaway was it really helped me understand how much he impacted women but it also cuz the one thing that i constantly do in any content that i'm consuming is i try to see where i fit in or how i would fit in mm. or how i would interact with that space and i just felt so alienated from it because i couldn't relate to most of the things that were happening in that book it just felt so far away from me even mm. though a lot of them were women who are similar to me so that that made me realize more so how much sharukh khan isn't relevant to this generation to the people like me yeah and how we're holding on to something that was once amazing totally and i think that's the price of immortality right once you immortalize someone it they're untouchable mm. they're kind of like frozen and then you sort of stop questioning why they have been immortalized in the first place yeah so i totally get it and okay <laughs> i am not going to say sharukh khan is overrated you can say that yeah <laughs> i shall not be saying that you can you can allow me to say it without wanting to throw chicken at me that's okay <laughs> yes exactly so yeah that those were our thoughts but i also have a question on this mm. do you think ranveer singh is a superstar or do you think he's overexposed this is so karan johar keeps saying ranveer singh is the last superstar that we mm. had but i have to disagree i think I think if he was born in a different time maybe but I don't think superstardom has anything to do with the people I think it has the it has everything to do with the people who are deifying these stars and we just don't deify Ranveer yeah like we wait that like they did before so mm. no I wouldn't say True actually I don't know if people cuz I remember reading about a Sharukh temple and an Amitabh temple and yeah. all of this but nobody really cares about Ranveer mm. Singh in the same way like we love him for his sartorial choices but that's about it really but do you think cuz this is a conversation we were having in the house and one of our flatmates said she thinks that he's overexposed and he's just he's genuinely going to combust if he doesn't go away into hiding for a while because he's everywhere and he's being splashed on so hard he's coming on so like loud that you kind of just want to put him on mute hasn't this been his entire career trajectory yeah. and he's been in the bollywood for 10 years now so it's you know that you know that tweet where you know that article uh, i think it was in the new yorker as well where somebody wrote about how we need to know less of people mm. and we're saying please we need yeah. to know less of you seriously just have some enigma some yeah. enigma man i feel like that's what it is <laughs> with him like i i think last year interestingly ranveer singh was to bollywood what bella hadid has been here like everyone's oh, just think? like he's everywhere he's everywhere like especially when he did that paper magazine shoot and then him in like bright pink everything i don't even remember mm, what that was for i just know. i can just picture ranveer singh in lots of hot pink yeah and just everywhere he he seems to be popping up in places where he doesn't have much to say it's just like loud sounds coming from that direction yeah it's just too much ranveer singh needs to 
calm down yeah yeah well okay that brings us to the end of our pop culture runoffs and now we're here at recommendations woohoo do you want to go first Okay, so <clears throat> as usual, I have two recommendations. That's good. I feel like it's become a norm now, so we're not even going to question it. <laughs> <laughs> My first recommendation is the show that I've been watching on Netflix called Ginny and Georgia. The first season came out, I think, a year or two ago. I don't even remember anymore. And I watched it like just because I had nothing else to watch. Mm-hmm. And when the second season came out, I was just like, okay, I'm going to see whether I want to watch it or not. And then I just began, and I still I'm not even done with it. I'm, I think I'm like three or four episodes in but they have really really gone ahead and made it much much better it's gone from being a show you watch in the background to a show you watch for the show like is this the show that had something to do with taylor swift did it remember there was that whole scandal something they mentioned about taylor swift and then taylor swift came out and said something about the show oh my really i don't yeah it was something about season one where they said something derogatory about taylor swift and then she was like what why, what do I have anything to do with this? <laughs> I actually don't know about this. I'm going to look yeah, it up. Let's but look it. Yeah. Um, it's basically a story about this mother and daughter. And it's... Someone on Twitter described it as Gilmore Girls meets Big Little Lies. Yes. And that is the best description. Because it has the small town, wholesome, like, vibe of Gilmore Girls. And it has the darkness and relevance of Big Little Lies darkness? put together. Ginny and Jo... Is seriously? Really? I am not kidding. I must give it a try. Yeah. Okay. I, you, think, I think I'm going to watch this It next. surprises you because you go into it expecting it to be like this light floaty air yeah, show. Yeah, I thought it was like some holiday movie. No, no, Hallmark no. movie. No, it's really not. It's really not. Okay. And I think that's what has so many people drawn to second to the, to the second season mm. especially because it really amps up the darkness nice. and then not and not in a terrible way the way Riverdale did it that was disgusting please no yeah they let's, did it really let's well. never say let Riverdale <laughs> on this pod again yeah okay so that was my first recommendation you mm. go for yours um mine is also a show I'll, actually both of mine are shows so I'm thinking Exciting. I'm gonna save that nice one for last I'm gonna start okay. with the trash one that <laughs> that I've just been binging so Love Island UK is releasing Jan 16th yes. and I just want to take this quick opportunity to say that we shall be debriefing plug little plug little plug um, so look forward to that and then also I don't know just at the anticipation has made me want to watch Love Island so I was watching um, series 4 which just wrapped up a few mm-hmm. days ago of Love Island Australia it is the most unhinged unhinged hinged version of love island i have ever seen okay i'm not going to spoil it but one of the challenges was that there are three couples who need to be outvoted sorry three girls who need to go and out of the sorry let me start again there are three girls who are in the running and they need to leave one of them needs to leave so what they do is they get their partners to decide which girl needs to go Wow. It is so unhinged. I do not know. Like the the Love Island Australia, your producers need a raise. That is so unhinged. I couldn't stop watching. I actually am wondering if I should get on that bandwagon as well because I loved Love Island UK so much and we're going to talk about it so much. I was screaming at the screen every episode. It wow. is so... And all of the people who are on Love Island, like that series amazing so many issues <laughs> so much therapy everybody needs wow <laughs> yeah. okay so that was my recommendation nice. your second one okay my second one is a newsletter mm-hmm. um she have you heard of jessica defino 
Yes, the skincare lady. Yeah. Yes. yeah. So she's she was basically a beauty journalist mm-hmm. and then she decided to like start this newsletter called The Unpublishable mm-hmm. to literally write about all the things that she would never be paid to write online because of advertising and sponsors and brand deals. So um she believes in this entire idea of how we're constantly being sold beauty and being like we we we're, we're trying to become people we're not just and all of it is rooted back into mm-hmm. a capitalist economy and we don't even realize it but the way she writes it it's brilliant and she also has like a list of recommendations that she does i think biweekly mm-hmm. and that really that is amazing that's really good and i'm not even someone who's super into skincare and beauty but i love reading her newsletters because it's like a peek into her mind yeah. and the way that she dissects beauty trends and especially the way celebrities are looking at it and it's just so interesting this is such a full circle moment because i remember we decided to do this pod because these are the kind of conversations we have anyway and we were Literally. like okay let's just record yeah. it and this was one of the things you told me to follow when we first started hanging out oh my god that's how i, I know about that. it oh so cute <laughs> yeah how oh, nice yes it okay. was a full circle moment okay. it is totally my second second recommendation is quite possibly one of It has to be my top 10 favorite Netflix shows of all time. So Wow. Seriously, I am so in love with it. I'm already watching it for the second time and I just finished it. Um but it's called Love Life and so the first season has Anna Kendrick and then the second one has um another protagonist and it sort of picks up from where the first season ended and it's about this guy and his life his name is Marcus Watkins he's a black man who's navigating the white publishing industry in New York mm. and he's a book editor in the show and it's just each episode is named after a woman who had a significant impact on him either That romantic or so otherwise and it's so nice and you know we always get shows about coming of age but we don't get a show for what happens after you come of age and then you have to come of age again <laughs> that is so true oh my god exactly so this is about his coming of age as a 30 year old man mm-hmm. um you know he's gone through all his ups and downs he has a set life he's married it picks off when he's married and then what happens like what do you do when you have those same problems of growing up and learning when you already have a good job and you are in a satisfied relationship you know so i really love the show and i think what it's it just goes beyond the storyline for me i think all of the characters even the side characters have such a significant role to play they have legitimate backstories and honestly the one thing that really gets me about the show is the lighting because it really bothers that me that is a very specific aspect of a show to notice yes because i was watching love I, okay this goes back to even <laughs> love island so there is a black contestant on love island australia and the way that he looks in the different settings in the confessional versus when he's out there near the pool for example is so different because these idiots don't know how to light his skin well mm. you know and it's just all made for white people that is wow that is really sad exactly and it's it's really bad because obviously there's a lot of like technicality that goes into it and you know let's not involve the color wheel here but basically the way that black skin absorbs slash reflects light is very different to how white skin would do it for example or indian skin or any other skin tone for for example so i think this show does it really well in which they just know how to light black skin and i i look you want to pitch an idea on that aspect it's so interesting i'm going to look that up more. do it because there's been so many vogue covers i think in the past of viola davis solange knowles where everybody's problem has been why can you not light black skin yeah. it is 2023 
three. Oh my god. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> oh shit. We forgot to mention this is the first part of Twenty Twenty Three. Okay. So yeah. So um, on to our last segment of the pod, what's hot in London. Mm-hmm. Um. Okay. So I'm gonna have. Two recommendations for this one. Yes, and I'm going to pass because I have had a very quiet. I've had a very my what's hot in London is stay at home, <laughs> <laughs> stay at home and eat home cooked food. <laughs> so I'm going to be making up for both of us at this point and saying that my first recommendation is something that I just went for yesterday, and my second recommendation is something that I'm going to go for in I think ten days from now. And love this. The reason why I'm recommending it right now is because I want everybody to get tickets before it sells out. Okay. Love that. That is so sweet. <laughs> yeah. So the first one is the Korean exhibit at the VNA. It's been on for a few months now, and I've been meaning to go, but I just haven't had the time. And yesterday we finally made it after three failed attempts. We finally got there, and it really surprised me. Not because of how well it was curated, but because of how much I did not know about mm. Korean culture. Like you hear, of course, we all know K-pop is everywhere, K dramas are everywhere, and the mo- there was a point where I was hearing. K beauty, K pop, K drama, and I was just like, okay, I know, I know it's doing good. Just stop. I know. I got it. Yeah, but when I went in, I learned so much. Like for instance, there's a little slide where they talk about how um the military regime had w- wanted to like wean away from how much the U.S. culture was inspiring mm. Korean culture and how it was taking away from their own indigenous cultural heritage, and they thought that taking away cinema and music would be a good way to do this, and. Honda, Hyundai, and all these car companies are from Korea. The year that Jurassic Park released, or Jurassic World, one of them, the year that that movie released, they contrasted the amount of money that all their Honda cars in a year made versus the movie, and the movie made more money. And that's when they were like, "Okay, we're gonna have Korean movies now." Oh my god! It blew my mind. I was just like, "Does Jurassic Park know it did this?" That is so interesting. <laughs> yeah. Imagine. Imagine something about some random white dude made about dinosaurs has just gone and influenced an entire country. Exactly, I loved well. that. I think that in that aspect, the exhibit was really well curated. I feel like the one thing that I was seriously lacking, though, and I want to warn people of this because I was very disappointed about it, was that it does not. It's not as self-aware. Mm. Like usually, the VNA is also critical. Like they talk about the anti-feminist policies. It talks about how K beauty is also very um, normative and. Is very problematic, but they didn't really go into that much. I mm. feel like because they had so much to cover. Because usually you have at the VNA you have an exhibit about a designer or like men's fashion, but this was like Korea, mm. Korean music, beauty, fashion, dramas. I, and how much can you squeeze into one exhibit? So I guess I also think maybe it's worth looking into the people curating it because if it's a bunch of white people, I'm happy they're not standing on that end and critiquing a True. culture that's not theirs. True. So I suppose if that's what's happened, mm. then I'm happy to give it a pass. Interesting. That that's an interesting observation. Yeah. Okay. And my second one is a play. I think it starts from Jan nineteenth and is on for a month till Feb something twenty fifth or something, and it's called Sound of the Underground and it's at Royal Court Theatre. Get your tickets now! You should get your tickets now. <laughs> it's not very expensive, so that's a good one. Um, it's by this queer. One second, to be clear, it's not an immersive experience. It's not. It's <laughs> very much not an immersive experience. I got it. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Um. So it's this um play curated or created rather by um this performative artist and author their name is Travis Alabanza Alabanza mm-hmm. and um how they describe it is it's part 
theater, part manifesto for workers' rights, and part cabaret. Whoa. Yeah, it sounds amazing. And if you look at the pictures that they ha- have of the cast up online, they all look brilliant. So what they've done is they've gotten like some of London, London's queer nightlife like icons to come together. And they're, they're allowing for like 25% of the script to be spontaneous where they mm. could change it on the dialogues. And it mostly looks at how much the... what the current um, nightlife art crisis in the the UK is because more nightclubs than ever are being shut down and the government is retracting funding from the combination of where art meets club life or club scening and nightlife and how that impacts queer artists and what they need for their rights to be respected and for them to be treated as equals in the workforce. And I am just very excited to see all of that as as a cabaret and in a play and yeah. And can I just say, I'm so grateful to now... Okay, I don't mean to hate on my country. But I'm so grateful to be now living in a country where this is an actual problem. Like, imagine advocating for nightlife rights. What? In, well, in what world? And where you can actually say it out loud and not end up in jail the next morning. Wild. That is... Yeah. I mean, that... I'm, it makes me grateful that I have this opportunity and that I have the privilege to be here. But it also makes me sad that that's not the case for people at home and i feel like sad as it is the uk seems to be heading in that direction as well mm. and it's a little oh. scary where Ugh. should we go next <laughs> <laughs> i don't know korea no, <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, okay but okay guys what a great episode a really fun one and our first one for 2023 here's to many more see you soon